Resilient Cyber Podcast brings you conversations from diverse cybersecurity professionals, ranging from executives, subject matter experts, and aspiring entrants. Today's diverse threat landscape requires systems that can withstand a variety of cyber incidents, remaining trustworthy and secure. As always, we want to give a special shout out to our season two sponsor, Accurix. That's A-C-C-U-R-I-C-S. Accurix is a infrastructure as code security company, which helps codify security for your cloud native infrastructure by codifying security throughout the development lifecycle. They also manage the popular open source IAC project, TerraScan. Visit them at Accurix.com for more. Thank you for joining us on the Resilient Cyber Podcast. My name is Chris Hughes, along with my co-host, Dr. Nikki Robinson. Hey, everybody. And today we're joined by Omar Marrero. Omar, thanks for being here. Awesome. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is going to be awesome. Absolutely. We're excited to talk. So for folks that don't know you or your background, can you tell us a bit about your background and the role you're in now? Yeah, yeah. So I'm a retired Air Force officer, now government civilian, and I support a program called Kessarine, right? So, And for them, I'm the test deputy and chaos and performance tech lead. Bluff of that is Kessarine basically pays me to break them, right? Which is I mean, can't get a better gig than that, right? You get paid and I get, I can break it without getting in trouble. This like background on my career is like I, through in my Air Force career, I was paid to like build, right, uh, design and deliver capability to the warfighter. That's all I did. And throughout that, I, my thought was I have to deliver rapid capability that's always been resilient. So this chaos engineering flavor has always been part of my mindset. So I used to walk around and pull cables, like turn off servers, like that was my jam. And did that across like traditional acquisition, rapid acquisition, and also like the just put duct tape together and send it out and then we'll glue it together. So it was all that part of mindset, right? And in Kesseron, right? Kesseron lets me do that. And my test teams at Kesseron are all amazing. We are, we are always pushing Kesseron to the limit. And we usually get the, oh my God, guys, like, yeah, let's keep going. Because we provide so much data of everything we do that it helps like Kesseron. That's awesome. So I guess, uh, you know, before I actually ask you about chaos engineering, I, I should, you know, help you uh, explain a bit or I have you explain a bit, I should say, what is Kessel Run for folks that aren't familiar with it? You know, it's an Air Force program, but what what is it exactly? Yeah, so Kessel Run basically provides war winning software, right, to, for our airmen. If you take that a little bit further, right, we deliver combat capability in any domain at any time. That's That's basically it, right? It's our job to modernize the AOC weapon system, and we do it very good in any domain, any time. So we're a full DevSecOps shop, but we what differentiates us from a lot of the software factories that you might see out there is we also provide the day two ops, right? So we do everything. We deliver the products. We also support them, right? We do day two operations. And in my role, right, in the testing portfolio, we work closely with all of it, right? We are embedded in the platform. We're embedded in the product teams. We're embedded in our IT tools, the folks, you know, all the services that we get to be able to do our mission, right? And we test everything. That There's chaos flavor for everything. Our automated test suite does all that. So there's a lot of testing stuff that we do for Kesselrun to do their mission. Uh, and that, and ultimately, it's just that, right? Deliver combat capabilities for our airmen, any domain, anytime. Yeah, it's amazing. We've we've talked about Kessel Run a few times, and it's just like we're always so impressed with uh, what you guys are doing over there. And so to to add on, for anyone who might be unfamiliar with chaos engineering, I think it's a relatively new term for people in cybersecurity and the IT industry. So can you give us a little bit about what it is and why organizations should be doing it? Yeah. 
So chaos engineering is, it's a discipline approach, right? So preventing failures before they become real outages. So you break things on purpose, right? That's why I like saying, hey, Kesselron pays me to break it, right? And cause, because that's, that's essentially what we're doing. We, we break things on purpose to see how our system reacts. And it allows to, us to engineer towards failure, right? That's that you, you see failures, the engineers come in and they, they re-engineer and we retest that and the failovers or whatever we tested, now it doesn't happen because we, we, we build that redundancy in it, right? If you look at background of chaos engineering, right, it all started in Netflix with their chaos monkey. I think that's, you Google that and that's the first thing that comes out, right? And it's a very interesting concept as when they said, hey, we, we have a problem or we have a need and this is how we're going to solve it. And I think like as companies get more complex, right, in, in this distributed systems, you need to embrace chaos engineering. Right? There's no questions about it, right? You need to have it because in industry, like a loss of a failover somewhere, right, that'll cost you millions, millions of dollars, right? In the DOD where, where we live, that is mission impact, right, to whatever we're supporting warfighters, right? And that's, that's our goal. Our goal is to support the warfighters and make sure that we are delivering that capability. So chaos engineering allows us to do that, right? It, it gives that ability for us to plan for outages and hopefully prevent them, right? Plus, I don't like getting 3, a, 3 a.m. calls. I don't know about everybody here, but that yeah, 3 a.m. outage call, right? That doesn't, that's not. So if I can prevent those by doing chaos engineering, I'm all about it, right? So if, and you can read a whole bunch of chaos engineering I mean, it's, it's the movement, right? And they're adding some new flavors to it, which is very interesting that we're bringing in. So uh, you'll see a couple of those coming out of Kesselron at some point. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's a nutshell of chaos engineering. So if to add to that, right, so our chaos engineering team is called Bowcaster, and we do everything. So we break K- Kesselron with pulling plugs out of the wall, right? right? That's an example, right? That turning off databases, turning off pods, whatnot. We also blast it with millions of users. And then we throw in a fuzzer and then we bring in like security and say, all right, you know, we tore the system apart. Now try to hack it and see what happens, right? So we're constantly like doing all these crazy stuff, which is pretty cool when you think about it in a government agency, right? Program office. Oh, absolutely. I I think it's amazing what you guys are doing. And that actually leads into my next question. I was going to sneak one in here because in the last few months, I've gotten so interested in this, right? This, This idea of chaos engineering, because it sort of leads into that shift left methodology, right? It's like, let's expect failure and let's just do it ahead of time. And that way we're, you know, prepared for it. But you mentioned bringing in security and pen testers. And one of the things I noticed between chaos engineering pen testing is it's similar, different objectives, different goals, but still trying to get in and break things, see what you can exploit, see what you can break. And so I was curious, like, do you think pen testers and chaos engineers should like get a cup of coffee together, like share oh, yeah. stories? Like, do you think that that would be helpful for those teams to work together? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, and that's something that we, so initially we started, right, it was the baby steps of chaos engineering. It's like, hey, let's try something simple, like show the, the value of this and kind of go from there. And as we've gotten more, I'd say mature, right, we've learned and we, it's the whole like, hey, we tried something, fail fast, learn really quick. So we start things like, what if we do this? And one of them was like, Let's bring our red team in. Like, you know, the systems, we, we normally test them, right, in full. Hey, just go into our system, maybe in some kind of normal usage, but you rarely test them while we're degrading it, right? I'm turning off part of the authentication system. Like, I'm degrading this, like the security layer, right? 
Now can you get in? And if you do, okay, how can we prevent that? Uh, maybe it's like an edge case, but yes, let's do it, right? Uh, it, that shift left mentality, right? I rather I find it very early than maybe one of our bad guys finds it, right, later on. And then we're like scrambling to fix it. and But they're already in and something happened, right? So yeah, definitely we should have a cup of coffee all the time and plan them, right, and and, and make it happen. It, it's all a, like one one team, one fight, right? I, that's the, my motto. So um absolutely bring in the red team let's have coffee and any other team that wants to break break it that's what we got to do yeah i think one thing that's really interesting to me is it's such like a new and innovative field that there's no defined you know right or wrong and you can kind of do a lot of different creative things because you know in life and in operational environments like things are going to happen that you didn't account for and that's why i think it's so cool also i think it's kind of intuitive you know we always talk about in cybersecurity, like, you know, uh, uh, doing tabletop exercises and practicing your incident response and stuff. And a lot of that's theoretical, but with what you're doing, like you're uh, intentionally injecting faults into your operational environment. Uh, so you're going to have no choice but to actually, you know, respond to these situations. And I think that's definitely a paradigm shift for a lot of folks. One thing I also wanted to ask you too is like, you know, performing something so disruptive like chaos engineering, it, it, especially like in a government environment. You know, I was Air Force. Nikki has a public sector background. You have a public sector background. A very risk averse environment uh, for the most part, right? <laughs> especially when you're talking to warfighter and mission and operations and such. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, how did something like this, you know, uh, so, something that could be so disruptive and, and introducing risk, how did it get brought into such an environment that has such a low risk tolerance, for example? Yeah, so like in, in our case, we believe chaos engineering is a key component to providing warfighter capabilities, right? Um, so we, that's, that's our, our nature. So it naturally fits into our testing kind of approach in Kessel Run, all the automated testing that we do or not, chaos just fits there. We brought it into Kessel Run because we just saw a need, right? It was like, hey, you know, we are building a very complex weapon system and we need chaos engineering. And so we went to leadership and said, hey, you know, I want to do chaos engineering. And they went, let's do it. Reality of the conversation was, I want to break prod. And they went, wait a minute, what is that? You're crazy now. No, but like, you know, with the joking kind of aside, right? Leadership has always been supportive. And that's one of the beauties about Kesseron, I think, right? Kesseron lets me push the edge. It's like, hey, I want to try this. And they go, all right, you know, and you know, they give you that runway and prove that it works and go. But they will always like embrace it, let's go in and... Through doing that in Kessel Run, we've actually learned so much and that we're actually writing playbooks with, well, at DOD level, CIO level, right? We're sharing our tech stack with other software factories like Black Pearl, right? And we're constantly engaging. That's part of our thing. Hey, we, we're learning. We're the first software like unit in the DOD to do this. And we've been very successful at it and we've gathered a whole bunch of data and it's provided so much value to us that, you know, we want to share, we want to push it. We're huge advocates. I mean, that's part of our job as, uh, uh, I say, chaos engineers, right? We're also advocate. And I, I task my teams to do that. It's like, yeah, you're in charge of breaking it, um, but you're also in charge of like advocating and, and helping other agencies, DOD, adopt it because, right, it's a very risk adverse society, but we we've able we've been able to crack that nut, right? We can prove that even though it's called chaos engineering, the actual event is not chaos, right? It's very controlled, right? And that and that's uh that's the thing that we push as a culture, right? Because depending on what article you click on the internet, it'll tell you it's just this random thing, we just break stuff, right? That is not the case. So yeah, that's how we've been slowly kind of smuggling it, right? Same thing as why Kessaron was formed to smuggle DevSecOps. We're sort of like smuggling chaos engineering into the DOD with the help of all the senior leadership right there. They're all over it, right? So 
I suspect we'll slowly see more of it popping around, which will be awesome, right? Because the what we the value we get out of it is amazing. Yeah, I definitely think so. It's uh, slowly starting to grow in the public sector and also in the private sector. You're hearing it talked about more and more in cybersecurity. It's, it's definitely a topic of uh, of discussion. I wanted to ask, you know, for individuals, whether within the public sector, you know, or private sector, who want to bring this to their leadership, but maybe they don't have such a forward thinking leadership or you know, kind of receptive leadership around new innovative things that could introduce risk. For example, mm-hmm. how do they go about helping explain like how this ultimately leads to a more resilient, fault tolerant system? How do they get that buy in? Any recommendations on how to approach leadership with this? Yeah, I think in one thing you you do is uh, I think I would first get smart on it, right? And get smart is like look at the origins of chaos engineering, right? Because that kind of gives you an idea of why it started, right? And then go and look at like listen to podcasts like this one, right? Because we are we're talking about it. Reach out to folks like me. Reach out to folks like my team, because it is right. It's something that's upcoming. It's it's growing both in in private and public sector. And all of us, like if you really look at our journey, everybody has a different journey in the adoption. So if you look at some of the commercial companies, like their journey is completely different, but you might learn something from them, right? And we're, I mean, we, that's where we're doing. We're advocating for this, right? We want to make sure everybody adopts it. So um, my journey is completely different from like Black Pearl's journey, right? In implementing chaos engineering, but we all learn. And I mean, reach out to us, right? Especially in the public sector, my team and me will be happy to like engage with leadership and help you kind of pitch this to them, right? And, and it's kind of baby steps. You kind of go and say, hey, we're going to, today we're going to do a, just disconnect the database, but it's not impact. And we're going to do it in like a test environment because it's not going to impact anything, right? You kind of go. Um, and that's sort of the workflow. You start in an environment that you're not going to affect production. And eventually you go to the production word, which is the big scary word, right? It's like, you want to break production? Yes. We do, but you start in you start that right, and we've done that with Bowcaster and Kesselrun. That's that's the thing we've we've done right. So we started small, simple test, and we've scaled it right. And now Bowcaster owns all that chaos engineering, the performance engineering, the fuzzing that we do right. We do crazy tests to like we're going to corrupt the database here and see what happens right, and test the failover and what happens with the app and like all that stuff. And then we add our automated test suites to that. So we're constantly, it's constantly going right back to the shift left. But yeah, I mean, if you're going to take that to your senior leadership, just, you know, educate yourself on what chaos engineering is, make sure you you know what you're talking about, right? And then reach out to folks like us. Uh, we, we're happy to help, right? We're happy to share our books, our experience, our journey. And that hopefully helps you you know, go to your leadership, say, hey, this is what they're getting out of it. This is how they adopted it. And do a sanity check, right? I do that too. I reach out to the folks that sort of helped me, mentored me a lot in the chaos engineering. And when I'm coming up with these crazy experiments I want to do in Kesselrun, I go and do sanity checks with them. I still do that, right? It's like, hey, I'm thinking of it. Usually I get this like, do it. That's awesome. But right, let's, I'm thinking of this and I've, I've gotten the, Omar, why don't you tweak here? Because it's going to scare everybody. So that's how I would I would do it. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that too. And the just the the information sharing that you guys are doing, I think is is awesome because the more we know about it, the easier it is. I think you're right to sort of encourage leadership or or say like, hey, this has sort of been successful here. Let's try it here. So I would be remiss as a researcher if I did not talk to you about the hypothesis creation within chaos engineering. Mm-hmm. So this was one of the other things that I, I love about chaos engineering. And you're absolutely right. It's not this, do this, do this, do this, do this, like random things. 
it's based in building these hypotheses and then testing them. So I was curious in sort of your developing these hypotheses and then testing them, is there anything that you've learned? I'm interested from like the technical practitioner side that you've mm-hmm. learned in a DevSecOps environment. Wow. Uh, we've learned so much from the tech. So, I'll, so one of the things we do going back to like practicing run books, right? We keep our SRE team on their toes, right? We're constantly breaking something and, or they have a hypothesis that says, I think if the database corruption is a one example, right? They had a hypothesis that, Hey, we think if our database got corrupted, this would happen. And they sort of said, mentioned it to me. I was like, well, I can test your hypothesis. Right. And so, but it's, it's essentially that part. And then, so when you're doing the hypothesis, like, this is what we think will happen. These are the text stacks we're hitting right from how we're going to execute that test. You know, we're, in this case, we physically went in and corrupted a database, but we had procedures in place to make sure if we broke it, we can go back, right? So there's a whole bunch of like scientific method kind of process that goes on in there to make sure that you are not really breaking something, right? It's you're trying to figure out, yes, if it's broken, what happens? Do we get the alert? Can we roll back? Is it a failover? Um, but there's like a checklist, right? And in, in Kesseron, we have a person that's in charge of that event right so that that he's the officer in charge right so he's the only one or she's the only one who can call out or stop the test right nobody else can stop the test that person has has the stick they're executing the test they get directions from the commander right or somebody on the field that says hey something's going on in real time so you make you make that calculated risk and you make it happen but that person is the only one who can call out the test, right? As far as everybody knows, like we're executing this test, we're breaking unless we hear otherwise, right? And it's really cool to see, right? So from that scientific perspective, just like running, right? A scientific method, go, 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 go. And you assume yeah. and if you get different results, you note it. And then if they fix it, you run the test again, right? And see, does it actually fix what we found the issues were? Yeah, I love that. I, I just, I love the idea of sort of blending that scientific method into, you know, what we're doing in our technical practitioner, like everyday lives. And that sort of lends me to my next question too, because there's, I know in the public sector, there's been some really great integration and partnership with academic institutions, whether it's research-based, but I was curious if you think that academic partnerships could be really beneficial to chaos engineering teams as well, as far as using the scientific method and hypothesis building. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that we do that you can definitely like share with academia, right? And partnerships and be able to like find other ways to do it, right? Keep pushing the edge, right? Other ways to like enhance the testing, right? So I'm all for that, right? I, I, I'm always looking for partnerships and like, hey, let's try this stuff and can you help me out, right? Um, so yeah, so I think it's valuable. It's, it's the information sharing, right? Like we're all here to like deliver systems right whether you're in the public sector or private sector right the the customer in the end is different but you want to you know i'm an engineer by trade so i want to build a very cool system that the last thing i want is people come back to me and say hey your system broke right so in my mind it's like the more testing chaos we can do let's let's do it right and if if we have to partner with industry or like academia or whatever it is to make that happen let's do it right and and because you can do a lot of research, right, with academia and whatnot. And then they can come back and say, hey, we figured this out. And, and I'll 
probably take it and go, let's add it to my Bowcaster tech stack, right? Let's go. So yeah, I'm all for that. That's awesome. One one thing I noticed while you're talking about a lot of these things is there's a lot of parallels. You know, it's ironic that you're in the military space because a lot of parallels to like operational planning and mission planning and a lot of parallels in that regard. So I thought that was kind of cool as well. My last question for you is, you know, for folks looking to get started, obviously we've talked a lot here, you know, and Kessel Run's a great resource and, and your team and such, but any other recommendations on books or, you know, certain podcasts or YouTube channels or anything, uh, you know, certain conference uh, conferences, et cetera, that you would recommend folks go check out? Yeah, there's a lot of movement on the conference side. So they're, they're starting to see, you'll see like failover conferences, like chaos conferences that'll, that'll start showing up. Um, those are, those are a wealth of information, right? Cause they'll have folks from industry presenting what they do. I went to a conference once where they talked about chaos engineering on people. Like you would tell a person that to take the day off. For the day and that created like a single point of failure and you would identify that right and i went back and i did one of those tests in kesseron because i was like huh you know it expands from just technology now i'm like taking out people so that was very but i learned it in that conference right so yeah so do all that right there's a couple of books in chaos engineering that you can find they they usually go social chaos engineering and they usually go like from the basics of like chaos engineering to where we are now, right? Netflix in general has a wealth of information, right? On how they roll it, how they do, how they, all that stuff they do. So, and I think as the, as more people adopt it, we'll see more, more stuff, right? So, uh, in, in it's a very active community, right? And we're all here to help ourselves. So you'll see it, you'll see it grow and more resources available, but definitely like listen to like, if you Google, you'll see it. Right. And it's hard to like, cause me personally, I've learned from, each individual click, right? And, and but caveat that that you got to watch what you click as well because some people's like, oh, it's just crazy, man. It's like, you know, make sure that would look at for the real big companies like the Fortune 500 companies, right? Folks like Kesseron, like entities that are actually doing it, and you go, okay, they're benefiting from this because they're doing it. And, and we'll be, I say vocal, not because we're bragging, as far as we want to say, hey, chaos engineering works. Here's our use case this is what it gave us, right? And you'll see that, like all the, the companies will say, yes. And you'll learn also on their journey. It's like, hey, we struggled here to get leadership to adopt, but this is how we kind of made it happen or we did this, right? Or this is how we tailored our approach, right? So uh, like we at Kessler have a very different approach from uh, some of the other folks that we've talked to in, in the government, right? But we were just like, my leadership was just like, yeah, let's do it. And it was like, all right, yeah, let's go. Let's build this team, right? But then you have other folks like, yep, I've heard about chaos engineering, but I'm not sure yet. That's where we come. It's like, oh, so let's tailor our approach to your environment to make sure you can deploy it, right? So I think the biggest one is reach out, right? Reach out to folks like me, reach out to folks like my team, right? Folks like you that are getting smart on all this chaos engineering movement and following it and and let us help, like let us share our wealth of knowledge, right? We we fail. We do the whole fail fast, fail often, right? And we're constantly learning. So one thing that we might have done last week is might have changed our procedures for chaos this week, right? And that's something that you don't have to repeat. And we would, so yeah, reach out. Like just play, all of us will be willing to help. It doesn't matter. Yeah, that's that's huge. Thank you, Omar, because that's, that's, it's amazing uh, to have resources like that that are just available and like hap- genuinely happy to help. So that's going to take us to our last question for you. And I am very curious about your answer because you okay. have such a, a an interesting uh, role. What does cyber resiliency oh, mean God. to you? Wow, that is an interesting. Cyber resiliency means to me 
we so from a chaos side, I'm taking it from the I'm the chaos dude. Um, even though I wear the test one of the test hats in Kesseron. So my ability to deploy capability to the warfighter, right, in the field involves everything, all of the above, right? So cyber and uh, cyber, I think like hacking, right, and like security and alerts and all that stuff, right? So you need to be resilient, right? I need to be able to take whatever it's tossed at me, right? Whether it's somebody trying to hack the system, whether it's like a security fault or like a vulnerability, like a CV that showed up and all of a sudden like that's exposed our system. I need to be able to react to that and embrace it and be able to fix it quick. Cause I have an end customer that is fighting a war, right? And my job is to help them fight the war, stay alive and do their job. Right. So cyber resiliency is to me, everything I do in testing, everything my security guys or our security guys do, red team, alerts, all that stuff, all bonded together to make sure that when we're delivering that capability, whether it's DOD or industry, we're providing the best possible product, right? And if for some reason something does happen, right, because we can't engineer 100% perfect, we're able to recover so fast that it scares everybody, right? It's like, oh my God, like, you know, these guys got hit and within like, 30 seconds, they fix it. Something crazy like that. Because we're constantly pushing and like testing and breaking and like, you know, try to hack our systems, all that stuff. That That is what I would say cyber resiliency is for me. Yeah, I, I love that answer because it is about this sort of when you're testing a lot of this stuff ahead of time, right? Like you're already the ones testing it and it's like, hey, we're already testing it. We're ready. Like this is where this is what we're due. And so so I love that answer. Huge thank you, Omar, for joining us today. It was an absolute pleasure. I, I know I learned a ton and um this this topic I think is only just gonna get more and more bigger in the industry. So uh thank you for being here today. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Hopefully we can keep doing these as we come up with more crazy experiments. Happy to like keep sharing them. So um, lessons that, that learned. That sounds so, good to me. Yeah. Sounds good to me. All right. Thanks everybody. And we'll see you next week.